Father, I pray that this morning, this morning we will um, see that you are holy, and you are great, and you are mighty, and uh, what we're going to be talking about is some very sensitive things, and that you speak into those areas of our lives, that, that this isn't something that we do apart from you and then bring to you, but but in following you, there is surprising and incredible blessings, um, things that we don't always foresee um, when we follow you by faith. And so I pray, God, that, that you'll make uh, your message clear today to us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read Ruth 3, uh, the entirety of it, and then and we'll jump in. If you have this Bible, it's page 209. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you'll be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you, take a bath, and put on perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he laid down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Scandalous. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet, like I hope any of you would. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is closely related to you, closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until morning. But she got up before it was light enough for the people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. She measured, he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi, everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. 
so, uh, people talk about the humor of God, and I think it's true. Uh, this week I performed my first marriage ceremony, and now I'm preaching on Ruth 3, and I'm not married. So, um, what I give you is, uh, I think, scriptural, biblical, and true, um, but really, it's, it's a discovery for us all as we are all observers of what's going on. Uh, if you remember Ruth chapter 1, we had uh, Naomi going to a foreign land, her husband and her sons dying. Her sons married before they died, and so they left her with two daughter-in-laws. Those daughter-in-laws, one split, one stayed with Naomi, and she came back to Israel, Bethlehem. Empty, it says. She says, I, I've gone away full and I've come back empty. And so, move into Ruth chapter 2, and Ruth goes to work. She goes to work in the fields of Boaz, and um, everyone's very impressed by her. And now we get to Ruth 3. And here we are. All of a sudden, we have Naomi, who went away full, came back empty, and Ruth 3 is cool because I think Naomi is starting to get up early in the morning again. I think she's had this long period of time where she's just slept in. Do you guys ever have those days when you're like, I don't even want to wake up? And that's where Naomi's been for a very long time. Right? Not wanting to address the day. She's been, she's been the gloomy one in the story. And Ruth, who's been a phenomenal daughter-in-law, is, has been going out and working so she can provide for the family, and so Naomi can sleep in, right? And so, so what Naomi's trying to get over this heartbreak in her life, not really knowing where to go, what to do, not even knowing if, if hope is betraying the memory of her husband. Do you guys ever feel like that in your life? That something's happened to you, maybe something damaging has happened to you, maybe maybe a divorce or the death of somebody or something. And, and almost, almost to feel hope again seems scary or, or might seem like it's, uh, like it's insulting uh, dignity, right? So this, this deep pain has happened and to feel happy again might seem like you're not taking the other thing seriously. Right? And so I think it's scary for Naomi to begin feeling joy. She's back in Bethlehem, and everyone knows that something's terrible happened in her life. And if she starts acting hopeful again, what will people think of her? Right? But, but Ruth has really been a healing factor in Naomi's life as she has, as she has loved her mother-in-law and been there for her and actually provided a home for them where they can just live and Naomi can just wake up late. Right? Sometimes we need that in our lives, to wake up late. And so, all of a sudden, Naomi realizes how much of a blessing Ruth is to her. She sees Ruth and she goes, this is a really rare girl. She's on her own initiative. She's gone out and she started working. So, our family can be provided for. She's incredible. And so... Naomi, you know, she gets kind of mischievous, and so she, what do women do when they're mischievous? They matchmake. So, <laughs> so she starts, <laughs> she starts matchmaking for Ruth, okay? So she's thinking, so what, what will we do? You know, I, my daughter-in-law is amazing, and, 
and I'm not going to be here forever, and so I, I want her to get set up with a nice man. <laughs> and so, I'll repeat, <laughs> do you ever have conversations with somebody when they say something, you're like, let me repeat this back to you slowly so you hear what you just told me. <laughs> and this is what I feel like we need to do with this story, right? So, <laughs> so I'm going to repeat this to you slowly. The plan involves Ruth going to her Boaz works, waiting till he has finished dinner and has fallen asleep. And she's watching him while he does all this. <laughs> okay. And then once he's fallen asleep, <laughs> oh, this is scandalous. She, she comes and she takes the blanket off his feet. Okay? And then once that has happened, she lies at his feet. Okay? And waits for him to wake up. Yes. He died, didn't he? Huh? He died, didn't he? Boaz. Yeah, I probably would have. I, he didn't, though. He was, he was alive and well. And, yeah, he died. <laughs> yeah. I, he was surprised, at least. And, and so, so we're going to pause here for a second, and we're just going to look at this. Um, I was trying to think through, you know, I, periodically people come to me and they ask me for relationship advice, which is weird because I'm not married. And, and this is, if somebody came to me with any of these parts of the story, this is how I would respond. If Naomi came to me and she goes, Daniel, I was thinking about setting Ruth up in this way, I'd be like, that sounds like a terrible idea. That is, that is terrible. Right? It's, <laughs> If Boaz came to me and was recounting this, I would have said, and she did what? <laughs> she, she came to you and you woke. I, this disconnect would have been terrible. And with Ruth, right, I, I would have been like, you need to find another place to stay, honey. That's just, wow. <laughs> that doesn't sound safe. Right? And this is, this is interesting because actually in the story, and I think we need to appreciate this too, that even in the story itself, it's, it's not cultural, right? A lot of it isn't. So the, the plan goes down, and what is Boaz's response at the end? He goes, um, and we don't really know who he's talking to, whether he's talking to Ruth or himself, just making a mental note, or actually talking to one of his workers who's there. He says, make sure no one knows that, that this happened, Okay? And the reason why is because, imagine if this was cultural. You would not want to be a man in Bethlehem. Right? You'd like, like triple lock the door. Like, wake up in the night with cold sweats, like is somebody at my feet. Not, not wanting that to happen. And, and that, so it wasn't necessarily cultural in the way of, we, we, that's not a healthy pattern. And so we have to understand as we're reading this, as as what we call biblical biography, which is what Ruth is, looking back of this story, um, what can we, what do we take from this? Right? I don't want you to leave and think that, ladies, that you should do this. <laughs> yeah, Alex? The, the Bible is saying that stalking is not okay. That stalking is not okay. Yes, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. So, so what, what do we do? What we have is 
This is it. Plan righteously. And, and we're going to work this out. Um, as we approach this story, it is a story of romance. And that's part of it. And I think, I think it's interesting because as we each approach it, um, by our own personalities, we approach romance very differently. Right? My roommates are engineers, and I'm a philosophy major. Okay? We, we approach life very differently. Um, just three categories, I, I thought, that sometimes we see people approach it this way, and I think we can approach the story in this way. But I want to, and I'm, I'm saying these because I think we want to approach the story not according to our personality. Right? If we, we have to see through it to to what God is giving us as biblical principles for the way we should act. Um, not just the way our personality functions sometimes. Um, the first is, we have idealists, right? The idealists are people that, they, um, they're always expecting the best. Like, I, I saw this girl, I liked her, she liked me, she enjoyed listening to Keith Green, and she's training for a half marathon. <laughs> Let's get married! <laughs> Right, this has to be good. This is a match made in heaven. Right, there's your idealist. The people are like, this is just happily ever after. Right? That's, that's your idealist. The realists are the people that, that go to this way. They're like, I know it's going to be tough. I'm going to have to work for it. She's probably not going to like me first. But I'm going to press through. And then they'll insert a story of somebody they've heard of before. <laughs> you always meet these people, and they're like, because I knew this guy once, but the girl just never liked him, but then he liked her. And, you know, and, <laughs> and then when we get married, it's going to be really hard. But we're going to work through that, too. Right? So these are the realists. And you meet these people, too. Idealists, realists. And then you have the people that expect nothing, and because they get nothing. Right? <laughs> you have these people also in their life, that they're, not, they're not really expecting hard things or good things. They're just like, meh. They get something, <laughs> and because of that, they get something. And, um, and so what this story is telling us more than any of these things, that we're not meant to approach it like idealists. Like, we look at this story, and we're just taken by it. We're like, and so every time I act like this, then if I, if I do, then God's going to hook me up. <laughs> right? Because we do that. Right? So how, how do we understand what's going on in this story. Well, and really, yes? Ruth was trying to get Naomi out of a sinful city. Yeah, yeah, they've, yeah they've, already, they've already left Moab and they're already in Bethlehem. Yeah. So we're yeah, we're for them. We're in, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're in Bethlehem and, and they've lived there and Ruth's working for Boaz and Boaz is a righteous man. And, and right now Naomi's just trying to find her a, a godly husband. And, conveniently, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. And what the kinsman redeemer is, is somebody that is in the family. And, and because he's their closest relative, by marrying Ruth, um, their offspring would be reviving, redeeming the line of Ruth's dead husband. Right? And so, so it's, it's seen as this. It's re- redemption on a lot of levels, and we, we'll see this. Um, so, plan righteously. And a few points with this. The first is, I want you guys to observe righteous attraction versus unrighteous attraction. And that's very, very important as we enter this story. Um, as, as we see, righteousness is this umbrella that covers the life of Ruth and covers the life 
of Boaz. Um, when, I, when I read the book of Ruth, and even if you turn the book of Ruth into a movie, I'll give you an example. If you would watch the movie of Ruth, you wouldn't get done and feel like you had to wash your eyes, right? Which you feel like after you watch most romantic movies now, right? And so if they turn this just verbatim into a movie, you wouldn't get done and you wouldn't feel gross. And why? Right? And, and it's be, because of the righteous action. It's interesting, when, when Boaz wakes up, he thinks the best of Ruth immediately. Right? He doesn't wake up and think, Ruth, are you like, you know, nah. he, he isn't misunderstanding her, and it's not, right? It's not because he expected her to be there. But why? Because her reputation has preceded her. She's a righteous woman. And so he, he immediately knows that, that she isn't there for, um, for, uh, with wrong intention. Right? And, and I think we, so much of us, we harbor even wrong intentions in our own hearts that then we assume wrong intentions on other people. And so immediately when the story opens of, of of him discovering her, righteousness is implied. And that's, that's incredible. Because in so many relationships we have today, righteousness isn't implied. But it's so strongly um, inferred in both their characters that, that whatever's happening is just... Um, you know that their motivation is holy. And that's incredible. I'll show you in, uh, in Proverbs... Um, Usually how the story goes. Um, in Proverbs 7, 6-27, this is what it reads. Um, and this is, this is another story. It says, While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men. And one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of a moral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was twilight in the evening, and deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed in sly of heart. She was brash, rebellious, and never content to stay at home. She was often in the streets and markets, slisting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with brazen look, she says, I've just made my peace offering, fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for, and I came out to find you, and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheeps of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us enjoy each other's caresses, for my husband is not home. He is away on a long trip, and he has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until months later. So, this, this is what you expect when you watch... A Hollywood romance, right? Like, you, you read this, and you're not... You're not um, this isn't a strange story. Right? You read this, and, and even the way our imaginations work sometimes is this, right? So, what does she do? She comes up to him, she grabs him, she's like, you're the one I want, right? I've been waiting for you. Her, her words are very affirming. They're, they're boasting his pride, right? They're, they're boosting... She's... She comes and she's just, she's the aggressive one. She's like, you are the man of my dreams. Right? And, and what does that do? It feeds us. We're going, 
oh, maybe, oh, and your emotions go, and you're like, that's what I want? Right? She's like, I've prepared everything. I've even gone and made my religious sacrifices for you. She's being a seductress temptress. That's, she's, this is, but this is, this really, I, I'm, I want this to be helpful as you see this because this is the way that we so often view romance. Uh, she, she seduced him with her pretty speech, enticing him with flattery. She fo- he followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life. So this is, I'll give you an example. When you walk through the line at the cashier at the supermarket, right? it's not the bubble gum that catches your attention, right? It's People Magazine, or Us, or Glamour, or Cosmopolitan, or, right? And why? <laughs> because it's Proverbs 7, right? Am I totally off? Amen, right? You're, 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 if they had a row of Bibles, you wouldn't be like, why? Yeah, because this is, this, and, and I want you to see that this is not what we're finding in Ruth 3. Okay. Way, way different. Boaz and Ruth have righteous intentions, and it transforms their relationship. Look at Ruth. This is what you see in her. You see in her first is, is strange obedience to Naomi, strange submission to Naomi, right? Whereas we saw in, in Ruth 1, all, all we can understand is that Naomi, as Ruth spent time in the home of Naomi, as she, she lived with her husband and Naomi for 10 years, right? And, and Naomi had to have been the one that brought her to faith in the God Yahweh of Israel. And, and yet Naomi's been in this spell of time when she's just been demolished by circumstances in her life. But, but Ruth didn't just throw Naomi out and be like, hey, you have nothing good to say to me anymore. Right? But she still trusted Naomi as her counselor and her, as her, her mother, both spiritually and her mother-in-law, right? And so she's, she's trusting her. And so Naomi comes up with this plan, and, and Ruth says, okay. Naomi, I'll do it. <laughs> it's strange trust, and, and that's, that's incredible. Um, <laughs> this is also cool, too, and is that Ruth did dress beautifully, right? <laughs> Naomi says, take a bath. <laughs> dress beautifully in your nicest clothes. So that, that doesn't mean that like the Puritans thought that it means we have to dress plainly, right? But Ruth was a beautiful woman. How do we know she was a beautiful woman? Because Boaz was certain that she could marry anyone in the whole town if she wanted to, right? He said, I'm, I'm so impressed by you. You could have married young, rich men. You're worthy of that. She's a woman of noble character. And she says, spread your wing over me. It says cloak, but literally the word is wing. Spread your wing over me. It's this picture we get in Ezekiel 16 of God spreading his covering over us. And really it's this covenant relationship she's looking for. She's not looking for a one night stand. She's looking for marriage. Okay? Big difference. Right? 
She's not there trying to just say, well, let's just let's have just a one night of passion. That'll be great. She's saying, I want you to redeem my life, basically. My, the, the, um, the name of my husband, I want, to, I want you to marry me. Right? So it's, it's in, she's looking for a way different relationship than Proverbs 7. It's not like this, this seduction. She's saying, this is the commitment we're looking for. She is a woman um, that says, everyone in the town knows you're a virtuous woman. And, and in town, literally the word there is gate. And so it's at, at the gate, as you know, it's, it's the elders of the city. And so it says, everyone in the town knows, everyone wise in the town knows that you are a woman worthy to be married to. Right? That's Boaz's immediate reaction. I already know that you're worth marrying. Right? And that's, that's incredible. So she is a woman of noble, noble character. Um, and so what we need to see is, um, in our culture versus, I think, the, the story that we see here is that so often we make sex the theme and one commentary on this says, in making sex the main thing, the modern world is losing the glory and beauty and depth and power of sexuality because um, it should run like a deep and mighty river between the high banks of righteousness. Ruth and Boaz are extraordinary, and men and women today should see them as heroes. Right? That they are, what are they seeking? They're seeking righteousness. And neither of them know exactly what this will turn out as. And what I mean by that is, is Ruth goes and she's doing something that Boaz could say, I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> right? He could turn her down. And then they find out later, I'm talking about this, that there's a huge hitch that, that she finds out then that, that Boaz isn't even the closest kinsman. So she's, they've gone through all this work and, and it's not over. <laughs> and so righteousness is continually looking forward to something. It's not just dwelling in the moment of what can I just get now. And that, that, is, what, that is what us making sex the theme of our lives will do. Right? It will never allow us to make righteous decisions because it will never look forward. <laughs> Another person writes, no wonder Jesus refers to, to the look of lust as committing adultery in our heart. He says, it is not the initial spark of attraction that is equivalent to adultery, but instead the downward spiral of behavior resulting from a heart that is turned from covenant fidelity to covenant breaking. The hunger of the lonely heart for community is powerful, instinctive, and God-resembling aspect of human nature, right? And so, and so it's very attractive, right? And that's, that is, that's the lure to it, is because, because it, it shows us, it, it, has, it has the potential for satisfaction, Right? 
that's why it uses the word God resembling. Is because in some way we we see um, we see emotional uh, stability there, but it's meant to be seen in this this covenant. This um, this two people saying we are going to commit ourselves to each other in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, till death do us part. And it's th- at that point, it is beautiful. But until that point, it is merely masquerading as something else. And Ruth and Boaz are, are constantly, they're always seeking what is greater and what's more. Um, so for us, I think what we want to see is for us, motivation. What is your motivation? What is, what is your motivation um, in approaching a relationship? What was Ruth's motivation? What was Boaz's motivation? Their motivation was righteous. And part of that was, the second point is, in honoring community. This is really interesting. Boaz actually never in this refers to Ruth being married to him. In, in their short interaction together, and part of that, I think, is he had this incredible um, sense of protecting her, right? So he wasn't just going to be like, no matter what happens, baby, I'll marry you. Right? And, and that's, that's usually what we admire, right? In our culture, it's, if you fall in love, that is licensed to do anything you want to do. Right? Oh, if you're in love... It's okay if you forget about your friends. Oh, if, if you're in love, it's okay if your mom doesn't want you to marry the person. Right? That's okay. Right? If you're in love, right? What feels good, right? That, that it is, becomes our standard. But, but Boaz immediately says, um, I'm not the closest kinsman to you. He says, you are an amazing woman. You're worth marrying. But I want to let you know that I'm not the closest kinsman. I'm not the closest person that can redeem you. Um, and he doesn't make any promise that I will marry you. He says, what? I said, I'll figure it out. <laughs> right? And so Ruth leaves not knowing if she'll actually marry Boaz or not. And it's this, inc- I think what's cool about this is there is this sense all along of family and community. And because Boaz knows that if he marries her, what? Well, if he marries her, then they will be a family. Then if they have kids, then her kids won't just be his kids, but they'll be redeeming the name of Ruth's dead husband. And, and so... Marriage means so much more as you go into it. And this, this is amazing. And I, I love this perspective he has. He knows what it means for, for him. He knows what it means for her. He knows what it means for his family and for the whole community. Right? So it's not just this immediately. <laughs> and this is usually how we work it out when we fall in love. This is how we work out. They're like, it's, just so, it's so self-centered in the way of it's like, well, how do I feel? What do I think? You know, like you're testing all your emotions. When... Boaz immediately takes it to this way bigger level of community. Of, well, you're, you're respected in the community, um, but even our family structure, we're going to have to get this figured out. What's that going to look like? So he's incredibly responsible. Um, 
And I think we have to ask there, what, what, because they wanted to act righteously, did they do different than those who would not act just in pursuing righteousness? And I think we should ask that in the relationships that we have. Um, and that's probably going to be one of the hardest questions in your life. Right? <laughs> because your, your emotions are going to be like this, you know, like this 747 that's trying to stop on a five-foot, uh, you know, runway. Right? And you're going to be like, going in, and then... <laughs> if you start with this view of how do I righteously go about this? How do I go about this in a way that really honors God? It will look very different from the outset. And it will look very different in the end. Um, and, and the way I put this in the end is that future hope informs present faith. Can you say that again? F- future hope informs present faith. And so, and so it was never just simply this moment they were looking to. Right. It was it was really them making a plan for the future. Um, and and part of that we see in the story of Ruth all playing out together as Naomi comes back empty and Ruth comes with her very faithful, right, trusting in God, putting herself fully upon this God that is still strange to her because she grew up in Moab, and she comes back. And then, and then this almost weird fulfillment of it when Ruth then tells Naomi, he didn't want me to come back to you empty. Right? And so Naomi comes back at the beginning of the story empty, and you see slowly their lives filling up as they have absolutely put themselves in the charge of God. Right? As they say, God, I'm putting our, my faith in you though I don't necessarily know how this is going to pan out. Right? So their future hope is simply in what God can do as they trust Him. Right? And so Naomi's slowly getting filled up. And it's cool because actually what she... What she asks Ruth when she comes back, what it translates here is... um, what happened to you, my daughter, is literally um, the simple question, who are you? Right? So Ruth comes back and Naomi simply asks her, who are you? Meaning, what happened? And, and when Ruth responds to Naomi, well, we haven't got it figured out yet, but he didn't send me away empty. And what does she respond to him? Naomi responds, the man won't rest until this matter is settled. Right? And this is, this is incredible. And I, um, I, I wish for myself, and I, and I hope for all of you, um, that God would give us the, the beautiful ability to wait upon him. Because this is hard. Right? <laughs> Ruth got dressed up in her best, which is... I mean, she's really throwing herself out there on a limb, right? Going to, to uncover his feet. It's a really odd situation. And, and yet, the night ended, and, and who are you? Well, I'm still unmarried, right? Still don't know what's going on. And, and yet, 
as God's put Boaz in her life, a man who is faithful, a man who is incredibly eligible, um, God is doing something in each one of their lives that they could not necessarily see at this moment. Or maybe in the past, I, I want you to, to, for all their lives, I want you to look at this. Boaz, an older man, right, who is unmarried and wealthy, and probably his whole life thought what? God, I've honored you. I've, I've done all my business dealings righteously. And yet I'm not married. And he has no one to carry on his line, right? And so he's thinking, what, what would he be thinking? God, am I ever going to get married? Right? Little did he know that God was going to bring this woman from Moab. Right? He was going to win the heart of the whole town, right? Because why? Because she was also doing something by faith in God, not knowing what God was going to do for her, right? She came into this town not knowing that eventually she was going to be lying at the feet of this, we- this guy and this weird place. And, and by faith, God was bringing all these, <laughs> these lives together, In an incredible way, and I wish I could just go into Ruth 4, because the way this comes together is incredible. Um, but as, as Boaz has put his faith in God, knowing that this has not been easy along the way, that Ruth has put her faith in God, though this has not been easy along the way, and not, they don't even know really what to expect. And so, Proverbs 3, I think this really sums it up well. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your path. Right? And so that, that right there is what we get from Bible stories. That is what we get from Bible stories. We don't get from Bible stories necessarily the route to take. And what I mean by that is girls don't start stalking guys like that. Right? We don't, we don't get that from this story. Yes. Right? I mean, because you read story after story in the Bible and you read it and you're just blown away. <laughs> How did that get here? Not... <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm amazed and I'm uncomfortable. And and Why? Because God is really, really, really worth trusting in, even though you don't necessarily know what he's going to do with your life. (laughs) Because if you know what you're going to do with your life, in a relationship, I guarantee you that that will be leading to anxiety, And I guarantee you that it will be a lot closer to Proverbs 7 in your imagination than this righteous pursuit of Ruth and Boaz. Right? Because what you're going to work up in your imagination, what you can do on your own, right, isn't going to be something that you're just throwing yourself by faith on God, just saying, God, I'm going to honor you with my life. 
And, and again, this doesn't mean that you, you go around with like doilies on your head and like dress in like plain garb. Like, you can look beautiful. You can dress beautifully, right? But in Timothy, it talks about the, the women who didn't just dress in beautiful clothes or ornament themselves, but really their heart was absolutely gorgeous. Right? Like it says in Proverbs, that charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fear the Lord, fears the Lord is worth praising. And that's true. But you have to believe it. You really do. Because if you don't, you're going to seek something else. If you're a girl, you're going to seek something else if you're a guy. So I'll wrap it up with this. The actions that Ruth and Boaz takes are steps towards righteousness. Boaz has every opportunity to take advantage of Ruth, and he does not, right? I mean, they're in this barn late at night. But he protects her. Pursuing redemption has the look of purity. If we see the story here, there's a man and there's a woman, and they both want to get married, and they're in a barn late at night, and yet they wait. And we have to ask ourselves why. Why do they wait? Something better is happening than a moment of passion. They're planning for a righteous future. I mean, if you, if you see this in the scope of all, mourning is dawning on their lives, and they choose not to forget everything God has been slowly building for them. They have been pursuing righteousness, and now together they're going to pursue righteousness. Right? Ruth knows that that Boaz is going to bat for her. And we'll see that in, Ru- in Ruth chapter 4. And I want you guys to see this. It's so important. Notice that the decisions that they are making don't diminish but increase their joy. They have not lost anything because they have chosen to follow righteousness. And that's usually why we, we decide not to make righteous decisions is because we think that we're going to lose out. They've gained so much by waiting and hoping and placing themselves in the care of God who has cared for them so much. So, my encouragement for you guys is is plan ahead righteously. And what you do, just plan ahead righteously. If you're waiting for a moment-by-moment plan, it's it's hard way to plan righteously, right? But, but plan ahead and trust in the Lord with your heart. It's so true in Proverbs when it says the, uh, to guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And, um, and the best way to guard your heart, and, and I think Ruth and Bill has done an awesome job of this, is, is really to just... <laughs> Trust that God was doing something, and uh, so, so I hope you come away with this understanding that, that God is really worth trusting. Um, and again, we we took this at the relationship angle simply because that's what's being presented in this chapter. There's a lot of other areas in our lives that we really can trust Him, and uh, and to do that there too. So I will pray. Um, there's a lot as we go into the time of singing again together. There's a lot really to like tell God that he's awesome for um, as, we, as we get done with this. <laughs> and some of it is, uh, and you hear this in the Bible, um, 
Right? Not only, God, what you have done in the past, not only what you're doing now, but what you're doing in the future. And that is, that is the perspective of faith, right? Is, is learning to say, God, praise you for the future. Um, and, and I guarantee that it's going to transform your lives if you involve that in your praise and in your prayer. Um, God, I praise you for what you're doing in the future. And, and just looking for it and excited for it and, and, uh, and hoping for it. So, pray with me and then we'll worship together. Oh God, I, I thank you that... Um, that the stories in the Bible are just as crazy as the stories in our lives. Um, I'm sure that <laughs> if we're going to share relationship stories, that a lot of the people today would just have wild ones also. And, and God, <laughs> you, you are so waiting to redeem those stories. I know still um, that our lives that we have lived aren't lost but as we come to you in faith that you're waiting just to redeem those and make them so beautiful, um, God, you make us beautiful. And, and I pray that you'll just give us the ability to trust that, to put ourselves upon you. Um, say, I'm going to first act in a way that glorifies God and that will, that will have incredible repercussions on the rest of my life. So God, just... Um, we pray your blessing upon us as we go from here. I pray that you will increase our faith, Father, and just help us see you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.